Blog Talk Radio. Now, the Negro collectively is richer. In most nations of the world, we have an annual income of more than $30 billion a year, which is more than all of the exports of the United States and more than the national budget of Canada. Did you know that? That's power right there if we know how to prove it. We should own and operate and control the economy of our community. We have to become involved in a program of re-education to educate our people into the importance of knowing that when you spend your dollar out of the community in which you live, the community uh, in which you spend your money becomes richer and richer. The community out of which you take your money becomes poorer and poorer. And because these Negroes who have been misled, misguided, are breaking their necks to take their money and spend it with the man. The man is becoming richer and richer, and you're becoming poorer and poorer. And then what happens? The community in which you live becomes a slum. It becomes a ghetto. The conditions become run down. And then you have the audacity to, com- to complain about poor housing in a run-down community. Why, you run it down yourself when you take it out. We've got to strengthen black institutions. I call upon you to take your money out of the banks downtown and deposit your money in Tri-State Bank. We are telling you to follow what we are doing. Put your money there. You have six or seven black insurance companies here. Take out your insurance there. Now, these are some practical things that we can do. We begin the process of building a great economic base. We've got to give ourselves to this struggle until the end. We've got to see it through. So our people not only have to be uh, re-educated to the importance of supporting black business, but the black man himself has to be uh, made aware of the importance of going into business. And once you and I go into business, we own and operate at least the businesses in our community, what we will be doing is developing a situation wherein we will actually be able to create employment for the people in the community. The black man must unite in one grand racial hierarchy, making a racial empire upon which the sun shall never set. Be black, buy black, be black, and all else is together with Amazing, amazing is true. Glad that I'm chilling to join. We have a chew. Glad that I'm chilling, dear you With we one more again, where we to get uplifting to the living legacy and a pair ancestral homage. This evening, pun Gullah Rhythm Radio. This show the we show. This show the head pun the body of the Gullah Nation, Queen Quet. We go and dedicate this your program to the Honorable Mosiah Marcus Garvey. We go and dedicate this your program to the lead. The Hajman League Shabazz. We are gonna dedicate this your program to the late Doctor Martin Luther King Junior, the pastor, the Reverend. Let me take a moment of silence. Ashe, 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 Amen. So glad that the hundred children are joined. We one more again for the We Show was still sponsored by the Gully Geechee Seattle Coalition, and we to celebrate this your month. What a black Philanthropy month. And when the children there join, we last Monday evening and thing like that. When I can go on you on in the archives and yet more. But the Black Philanthropy Month, and we even the crack we teeped out last week when we did the right show, punish your show. 
But we want to continue the rest of this year month with some Lee Updated and things like that. But rather was with some other rest of things. For Carolina back, for Carolina forward. San Kofa, go back and fetch it. So this evening and things like that, we want to chill for Yeti Mo. But what going on down here? And how Hunter can support the Gullah Geechee. Gee to the Gullah Geechee. And be part of this year month about black philanthropy. So, for all of this year, we want Hunter Chillin to make sure that you join we as part of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. So, go to gullahgeechee.net, gullahgeechee.net, and also follow we on Facebook for Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. Hunter can email we to G U L L. G E E C O at AOL dot com and then like that and for crack your teeth with we and thing like that outside of this your broadcast and for Yeti more and more not just this year month of August but all year long how Hunter can support what going on your in the Gullah Geechee Nation and make sure that Hunter to support the true Gullah Geechee business and institution and thing what we'd have got all wrong and up and true, yeah. And then like that. Okay then, chillin'. So now if Hunter Chillin wants support the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour, then Hunter can go to QueenQuet.com, Q-U-E-E-N-Q-U-E-T dot C-O-M, or go on your honor to Gullah dot N-E-T, and then connect with we so that Hunter Chillin can support more and more philanthropy and what going on down here, just where we to be. And so for all of the listeners and things, what are you this year worldwide and things like that, we'll make sure Hunter understand everything we're going to crack my teeth about. So I will speak this way so that all of you listening can understand. And once again, as always, I thank all the listeners who subscribe to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio for free via iTunes to actually download and have been downloading this by the tens of thousands over the years that we've been on the air and that you are sharing it with others, you're embedding it in your social media, embedding it in your websites and so forth, sharing it in your social media. And we are thankful to you for continuing to keep these broadcasts alive because this is about the living story. This is about our story and what's going on down here from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. We need all the rest of the people for Yeti this year. If it were not for our own media, many people would not truly be aware of all that we are up against every single day to maintain our culture and our traditions and keep alive our community on Gullah Geechee, on the land, on this coast. So we are thankful to all the supporters that always tune in and then share the show, especially to those who have become Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition members around the world and supporters from around the world who either joined while we were going into the celebration of Gullah Geechee Nation Appreciation Week, joined during that week at some of our events and at our festival, and then those of you who have gone on to GullahGeechee.biz and also joined there, G-U-L-L-A-H, G-E-E-C-H-E-E dot B-I-Z and have gone on and supported by joining through Gullah Geechee dot biz and also purchasing books and CDs and DVDs that tell our story. Well, as far as our story goes and as far as all of this support goes, it goes right back in to the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which we called upon everyone last week that are our listeners to become members of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. We also called upon you to make a contribution this month of August 
to the Gullah Geechee Angel Network, which is the official 501c3 for the Gullah Geechee Nation. We called upon you to support the Pan-African Family Empowerment Network's GoFundMe site for Save Gullah Geechee Land. We also have an update for you tonight in regard to that fundraiser, so stay tuned, and we're going to tell you how, if you are in Beaufort County, how you can actually show up to an event this month and be able to become members and make donations there. We also want you to support the GoFundMe campaign for saving Gullah homes. So this month we want to help them reach new benchmarks with each one of those GoFundMe fundraisers. We want to get another 1,000 Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition members worldwide and supporters worldwide, and we want to raise some more money for the Gullah Geechee Angel Network to continue its mission. And if you haven't yet gone to the website for the Gullah Geechee Angel Network, it is just that, www.gullah.com. And Geechee, there's no I in Geechee, G-E-E-C-H-E-E, Angel, as the ones that fly around you, protect you, the one with the wings, network.com, Gullah Geechee Angel, network.com, and Gullah net. Those are the two organizations that we are encouraging you to participate and supporting this month. And to that end, I want to just give a shout-out to Widener University, who's here from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who spent all day with us out in the field going on the Gullah Root Experience Tour, taking one of our workshops that you can find at www.gullahgeechee.us or gullahgeechee.us, and then they are prepared to begin working in the Gullah Geechee Al-Kabulan Archive and at our Hunter Home Gullah Geechee Research and Retreat Center tomorrow as well. So they have come into the community to give back to the community while also doing cultural immersion activities because they are an international group of students. And so if they can make the journey, and they planned this out from their university some nine months ago to finally arrive at today, being here on the island for the first time. Many of them had never been to St. Helena Island. One had been to Hilton Head, one had been to Myrtle Beach, and one had been to Paris Island. But they had not been on St. Helena Island to see the living tradition, see the heart of the community, to experience the spirituality, to touch the land and walk the soil and feel our souls until today. And that is a critical part to people being philanthropic. It is about them having a desire to promote the welfare of others, especially by giving of donations and money to good causes. And also giving of yourself to these good causes counts as well, but they don't Consider that in the definition of philanthropy, the same thing as the financial donations, because any organization requires financial backing to be sustained and to be sustainable. So that's why we're calling all of our supporters throughout Black Philanthropy Month to continue to give generously to various causes that you definitely have a desire to promote the welfare of others that are in your communities, but also to contribute to some that we have going here in the Gullah Geechee Nation to ensure the welfare and well-being of the Gullah Geechees as humans, but also our institutions and organizations as well. Because without those institutions and organizations, you don't have a lot for the community to look to 
or for the community to place their story in for the future generations. So being able to share from our own institutions and in our own way and from our own platform is critical. And as you heard at the beginning, the opening of the show, you heard Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who used to come here to St. Helena Island, who actually planned the Poor People's Campaign here, announced it here. You heard his words from his mouth about the billions of dollars that the black community was worth even during his time frame. You heard from Elhaj Malik Shabazz about how our communities get deteriorated when we take out the economics from our community and put them in another community. Now, I know Voltaire said common sense is not so common, but let's just go with everyone listening having common sense. Let's just think about this for one moment. Now, if you have $100, but you withdraw the $100 and you walk it to somewhere else and you leave it there, of course you are $100 poorer and wherever you left the $100 is $100 richer. That is all El Haj Malik Shabazz is saying. So every time you take something out of your own community and put it in someone else's community, you leave your community poorer. You leave your community, your family in that community suffering, wherein somebody else is benefiting. They are doing much better. They're much more well-off, as we would say, than you are because you took your richness out of the community and placed it somewhere else. Was I worked with the students today. One of the discussions we had was about the removal of the brain trust from the various communities, not only from the motherland with the kidnapping of the Africans that were brought into North America that came to occupy these sea islands that became the Gullah Geechis and all that they then gave of their souls and their minds into this soil by putting their skill sets into this land of North America, how they extracted that black gold, that richness, that brain trust of power from the motherland and then scattered it in the African diaspora. And then how the Gullah Geechee diaspora further scattered that richness all over the world. And so now how we have to be in a process of regrouping, rebuilding, and remembering who we to be down here for truth and who it is that we belong to and what it is that we're working toward. And so Black Philanthropy Month gives us a chance to truly reflect on the visionaries that came before us that had connections. There are documents out there discussing the history of Malcolm X's family and who they actually were and where they were from here in the South and the roots of that family and what sent them northward. And there are plenty of documents about the Honorable Mosiah Marcus Garvey and his movement, especially many who've read about him or seen some documentaries in the past because you don't see many documentaries now done for Black History Month in February or October in England now that actually come on the air. If people are producing them, they have to be indie producers. They're not getting the national spotlight and attention to bring it out. But
But if you have seen them, if you own some in your collection, you know of the work that he did trying to repatriate many people back to the motherland and how he started up his Black Star movement and company to do that. Well, there's some things that I thought would be critical with us going into next Monday being the Earth Day or birthday of Marcus Garvey and there being an event coming up this week. So I did not want to postpone the show until his actual Earth Day because I wanted to have the opportunity to let people know that if they truly want to celebrate Garvey Day, which is now would be 128, 128 years since Marcus Garvey had been born on August the 17th. You can go to James Island this coming Saturday, back to Mesquita Beach, where you just saw that we launched the Gullah Geechee Nation Appreciation Week. If you're on our Facebook fan page, there are plenty of videos there under the videos, and we still have more that we're posting this week of some of the final proclamations that were given in regard to Gullah Geechee Nation Appreciation Week. And so those videos will be showing this week and those who watch Gullah Geechee TV and you can go to www.gullahgeechee.tv or just go to YouTube and type in Gullah Geechee TV or Queen Quet and then connect with our programs there. Go to Amp Turn It Up channel and please subscribe once again on YouTube. It is free. Just like our iTunes, this show is free. Please make sure to subscribe and also Gullah Geechee TV and Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio are both on Facebook. But if you are Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fans, you have seen these different postings so you know that we were there at Mosquito Beach. And if you watch Gullah Geechee TV, you've seen the episode already, or two episodes actually, at Mosquito Beach. And so that is where on this coming Saturday there is going to be a Marcus Garvey celebration at 4 p.m. And so they do have vending that's going to be going on. And if you want more details about the event, you can call 843-532-3712, 843-532-3712. And so there's going to be music, limited amount of vendor spaces. And so you should go ahead and check out this Garvey Day celebration that's going to be happening there. But now if you say, well, I don't know if I want to go to a celebration because I'm not quite familiar with Marcus Garvey and his connections. Well, let's go back in time and let's talk a little bit more about who this man is that people would still be celebrating him even long after his passing. Well, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, Jr., he was the youngest of 11 children, 11 children. He was born out in Bahayard and things like that, St. Anne's Bay in Jamaica. And so his father, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, Sr., was a mason, and his mother was a domestic worker. Her name was Sarah Jane Richards, all right? And so he went ahead, and his family wasn't too bad off. Um, so they actually had a library at home. I mention that because that is critical because a lot of people right now this time of year, you're gearing up, you just went to the tax-free shopping over the weekend, and you are planning to send your kids back to school next week, the week after, and so on. And people are not investing 
and the right things at home. I know that the schools have all these things on tablets and computers, but there's nothing like holding an actual book and having a library of books in your home. If you live in a hurricane zone, you should especially invest in these things because when your lights go out, when there's no electricity, no power, then what? Even the last few weeks in the Gullah Geechee Nation, we've had windstorms and rainstorms that have ripped trees up by the root. There are people still going around having to spend hundreds of dollars to get trees cut down so that these trees do not fall on their homes. People are cutting up trees that did fall on homes and on cars and things in their yards. People are going around cleaning up some of our major institutions' yards just now from trees that fell a week to two weeks ago and so that they can get things back in order. So if we have even trees fall at different points and they hit electrical wires, entire areas of islands have no light. But I remember reading books by candlelight. I remember reading books by kerosene lamps. I remember when lights would go out for the least little thing. A squirrel ran into the transformer box somewhere down the road half the island out of light. And there I'm doing work by candlelight, by kerosene light, reading. So when I read that, the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey had books as a child in his home in Jamaica. That speaks volumes. And we need to continue to buy books today and have in our homes books of substance. I'm not talking about a bunch of romance novels and sex stuff. I am talking about real history, economic empowerment, spiritual empowerment and upliftment books to have around so that sometimes darkness falls without the electricity going off. You have something that you can pull and read and uplift your spirit. There's nothing wrong with novels or a little escape here and there, but that shouldn't be the bulk of your collection. You should have some other things that also enrich the mind and educate you on different things on how to advance in life. And obviously this served him well. He went to school in Jamaica, and so at the school he experienced racism there. And so in 1907, okay, uh, over 100 years ago we're talking, 105 years, he took part in a printer strike, and this then got him involved in activism, all right? So he started knowing that there should be movements. People have to go ahead and be actively involved if they want change. So in 1910, he left Jamaica, and he started to travel. He went through Central America. He went to Costa Rica, where he had an uncle. He lived there for several months and started working as a keeper of a banana plantation. He then started also being an editor for a daily newspaper. Remember, I mentioned the critical need for our own media. He worked as an editor for a daily newspaper called La Nacional in 1911. After that, he moved to Colón, Panama, and he edited a bi-weekly paper there. And then he went back to Jamaica in 1912. 
So now he had all of this under his belt, but he was reading things that were coming from around the world, reports of what was even happening in the South, the Deep South, in the United States. He started hearing about economic nationalists, which included Booker T. Washington, and also Pan-Africanists. And he started looking at political possibilities of what could go on in his country for his own people and then for African people as a whole with the Pan-Africanism. Now, it was interesting to find that, like myself, he had heard of Booker T. Washington. Unlike myself, he lived in a time where he could communicate directly with Booker T. Washington and wrote him and found out information from him and was even encouraged by him to come over to the United States and to visit. And so he didn't immediately come over. When he went back to Jamaica in 1912, he didn't stay very long. It seemed like he went there to pack, if you really read more about his life, because he left Jamaica to actually go live in London within the same year. And he ended up staying there from 1912 to 1914, where he went to Birkbeck College. And he began studying law and philosophy. And truly understand that once again, to be a true activist, to truly make change, one must over and understand what it is you're changing. And also as a global thinker, it is good to read the philosophy of others and the biographies of others so that you can orient yourself in terms of the movement that you want to participate in, that you want to support. What is it that you are contributing to? What are you contributing your knowledge, your brain power to, and what are you contributing to financially? So you have to study. Again, this is something we talked about over the weekend with Lamont Rucker, who's an actor who was also part of a panel done by Bronze Lens, a film group, and you can look them up at bronzelens.com. They do film festivals, and Lamont talked about the fact that with acting, he doesn't just know how to act. He can also sing. He went to various classes to hone his craft. He and his friends would continue to do things together to hone their craft, but he also knows how to build a set, make props. He knows about lighting. He knows about rigging. He knows a number of things. So here it is that today is called professional development. So one might say that the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey was doing professional development when he actually left Jamaica and went to London and then went to college there and Burbank College, taking up law and philosophy. But he then also was working. He worked at the African Times and Orient Review. And during that time, all of these things had influences on him. And he started being a speaker at Hyde Park Speaker's Corner. So it was two years later that he again went home in 1940 to Jamaica, and that is where he put together the Universal Negro Improvement Association, the UNIA, which still exists. And he had an article titled The Negro's Greatest Enemy that was published uh, in the current history. It's a, a document called Current History that came out in 1923 when he published it. And he started then talking about a number of the things that he saw 
and how he got the vision for the Universal Negro Improvement Association and African Communities Imperial League. And so he thought that this name would cause him to embrace the purpose of all black humanity. And so he had his first convention of the organization prior to the publishing of the article that started telling people more about the organization. He held an international convention at Madison Square Garden in 1921. Think about that, so kid. A man from Bahayard come here to New York City in 1921, one black man. Him gone New York, and him get a meeting, grind, right there in the middle of the heart of Manhattan, the island of Manhattan. Him got Madison Square Garden. Think about that, let us sink in. Let us sink in. Now, here it is. The convention he held had organizations there like the Universal Black Cross Nurses. We have the Gullah Nurses Association here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. They had the Universal Black Cross Nurses there. They had the Black Eagle Flying Corps there. We have many Tuskegee Airmen here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. They had the Universal African Legion there. And there were more than 50,000 people at the event that came to support the cause. 50,000 people were there to support the cause. After that convention, the UNIA had between 65,000 and 75,000 members paying dues to support what he was doing with the Universal Negro Improvement Association. So when I announced to you tonight that we want another 1,000 members to support the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which will be 20 years old in 2016, that's not something that should mind-boggle anyone. That's a very low number. But then we are in a different era of time where people tend to think because they get on the Internet and they consider it free, it ain't free. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Someone pays for Internet service or access some way, whether it's on your phone bill or whatever, you're getting on the Internet by paying to get on there, one way or the next. So when you get on there, why don't you get on there for some good? Why don't you get on there to contribute to something? Think about when I'm telling you, 1921, there weren't computers. So there definitely was no Internet. But yet the word got out throughout the African community at large, throughout the global African family at large, and 65 to 75,000 people, as we say in the church, started not robbery, to support and give financially to the work that was being done. Philanthropy at its best. Living action. Not just saying, I support you with lip service, but putting your money where your mouth is. I don't hear that much anymore. Put your money where your mouth is. And I guess we shouldn't hear it because people actually are doing it, because their mouths are talking about how to get rich quick, how to shine, how to bling, how to, you know, throw shade on somebody else, all of this kind of stuff. And they about, they, they about getting their cheddar. Well, if you're a rat, that might be all you seek is some cheddar. Once the cheese is eaten, then what you got left. So the whole thing is contribute to the movements in your community that are moving things to make things better for you. Again, we're talking about the Universal Negro Improvement Association. Want to improve 
where we were, what we're about, you might erase. Now, it's interesting that after corresponding with Booker T. Washington, who at that time was the head of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, where I've spoken several times, and Garvey then decided to get on a ship, because that's how people travel back and forth then, no airplanes. Got on a ship on March, 9, March 23rd in 1916, and he then decided he was going to come on a tour to raise money so he could establish a school in Jamaica that would be modeled after Tuskegee Institute. So he did visit Tuskegee, and he visited with a number of different black leaders of that time. And then he found that it would be a good idea to move to New York. And so he went to New York and began to be a printer. He started doing printing, that he also spoke out on the street corners, just like he did when he was in London, and he was speaking out on the street corners at Hyde Park. He felt that there was a vacuum amongst the leadership and the black community. I know some of y'all asking, wait, wait, did you just talk about today, or are you talking about back then? No, I'm talking about back then still. So on the 9th of May in 1916, he had a public lecture at the St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, in New York, and then he went on a 38-state speaking tour. Now, once again, I never read that about Garvey until today, but it's interesting because as I was telling the students that are here today, and there weren't the 50 states yet when Garvey was talking about it, but there are 50 U.S. states now. Out of all of the 50 U.S. states, I have less than 10 now to visit less than 10, where I've spoken. So I was telling them earlier about when I got to the point where I only had a dozen left and where I had gone, and I was now trying to figure out if in the next month I would go to get another one of the states I haven't been to to just check it off my calendar since I'm now rounding out the 50. And so it's interesting that I've had that discussion today about knowing I started with 50, and I wasn't trying to go to all 50 when I started, but our God has blessed me to send me out to over 38 states. So now to realize that Garvey himself has been, has spoken or planned to speak and 38 states is very powerful, another linkage, another connection in the living story of us as islanders and leaders from these islands that seek to have global change. And so he went ahead in May of 1917, so a year later, he and 13 others formed a UNIA division outside of Jamaica. And what he would do on these talks was, of course, promote the UNIA, and he would promote social and political and economic freedom for his own people, for African people, for black people. And so he did a number of different lectures whenever there were different riots that broke out, but always lecturing on economic empowerment. Now, at the age of 32 in 1919, Garvey married his first wife, who was Ashwood Garvey, Amy Ashwood Garvey. And she was also a founder of the UNIAACL. Okay, she went ahead and saved Garvey when 
they tried to kill him in the Tyler assassination by getting him medical help. But after four months, he separated from her. He had a thing for the name Amy because he married Amy Jacques Garvey in 1922 who was working as a secretary general. They then had two sons, Marcus Messiah Garvey III, who was born on, on the 17th of September 1930, and Julius Winston, who was born in 1933. So in the time of the Great Depression, here he is out here. He's having families now. He has a family now. He's out here still working to do these various things. He's now getting into conflicts with the same person who had conflicts with Booker T. Washington, W.E.B. Du Bois. He got into different conflicts with him. There were things getting written back and forth, back and forth. And then there were charges about mail fraud. There were various charges brought up against the Black Star Line about money and about whether or not he had these ships that he was coming up with to repatriate people back to the motherland. So he went through a lot while being a leader. A lot of things were conjecture and were things that were thrown at him, of course, to destroy the movement, to destroy a pan-African movement, to destroy economic sustainability of such a movement. And so the people would withdraw that their shares wouldn't be worth anything that they bought in the Black Star line of ships. And so here it is that eventually Garvey was no longer in the U.S. He didn't go back to Jamaica, and he ultimately died in London on the 10th of June in 1940. He was only 52, but he had two strokes. Two strokes he had. And so here it is that there was printings of his death in a paper that was started by a Gullah Geechee person, Robert Sussex Abbott, all right, that went to Chicago and started the Chicago Defender. They printed an obituary of the man before the man had ever died. And so they had printed it in January of that year, and he had not even died. And they claim he did read that. Now, can you imagine how that must kill you while you're there alive to read your obituary and to have people write that you're broke, alone, and unpopular at your death? But here it is that in London there is a marker on a 53 Telgoth Road in London that is part of English heritage markers that are placed there that says Marcus Garvey, 1887-1940, Pan-African leader lived and died here. And so it's interesting how people recognize people in their death in a way that they don't recognize them while they're alive. But many times it is because of what I said at the very beginning, that he was a visionary, that he was ahead of his time, that he saw things that people during his lifetime could not see and under overstand. So some bought the lies that were published about him, and then that started to destroy his movement. Well, those who were other visionaries respected and appreciated who he was and what he did. And so I find it apropos, the piece that I played at the beginning of the show, to know that 
Elhaj and Alicia Barnes, who is Malcolm X, all right, his parents, Earl and Louis Little, because he was Malcolm Little when he was born, met at a UNIA convention. They met at a convention in Montreal that was held. And then Malcolm X's father became the president of the UNIA division in Omaha, Nebraska. And so then there was also the Negro World newspaper, which was part of the whole operation of UNIA, their own media, to get information out. His wife, Louise, covered UNIA activities there. Now, it's interesting that during a trip to Jamaica, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, God bless the dead, and his wife, Coretta Scott King, God bless the dead, visited Garvey Shrine in 1965, in June, 20th of June, and they laid a wreath there. And in a speech, Dr. King said, quote, that Garvey was the first man of color to lead and develop a mass movement. He was the first man on a mass scale and level to give millions of Negroes a sense of dignity and destiny and make the Negro feel he was somebody, end quote. And so here it is that King was a posthumous recipient of the first Marcus Garvey Prize for Human Rights. It was given to him on the 10th of December, 1968, which we know that he was assassinated April 4th of 1968, or at least I know. So now you know, because I said it. And so here it is that his wife received that honor. I could only imagine how she felt receiving that honor all that time after going and, you know, months after just going and visiting and laying this wreath. And here it is that a man that in America people think about the movements, and as I said, Dr. King started the Poor People's Campaign Movement here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, right here on St. Helena Island. And here it was. What did he do? He read the works, the speeches, listened to those speeches of one who came before him, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. And there it is that this man left us with a mighty quote, up, you mighty raise. So I challenge you this Black Philanthropy Month to read speeches by Marcus Messiah Garvey. You can listen to some on YouTube as well. I challenge you to listen to the economic empowerment speeches of Dr. King and Malcolm X, to under and overstand truly things like the ballad of the bullet, to under and overstand books like Why We Can't Wait that Dr. King wrote, and then think about the billions of dollars that still are in the communities of African people around the world to this day, but especially amongst those couched and categorized as African-Americans, as I would say Africans in America. Look at the money that is spent on cigarettes, on drugs, on, and I mean liquid drugs through alcohol, on clothes, on shoes, on nails, on hair. Multi-billion dollar industries 
cars and then rims and then the radio systems that we got to car drive by with the booming system. I got King Kong in the trunk. We got to do all of that. But it all boils down to James Brown. You're talking loud and ain't saying nothing. Because we can play this stuff, we can blast it, we can stand in the corner looking good, creased up, starched up all day long, blinged out all day long. But what happens when you die? What legacy have you left for your community? What inheritance have you left for your children and for your children's children's children? What have you left them spiritually? What have you left them economically? What have you left them emotionally? Trust me, ain't nobody throwing your gold watch, your chain, or none of that stuff that they can sell upon in the casket with you. Ain't going to happen. You're lucky if they put the cheapest one of your chains on your neck when they bury you. They ain't driving your car to the hole and driving it in there. Somebody else going to try to get that title change or drive right up under it for until they get caught. So is that what you want to invest in? What does it profit a man or woman if he or she gain the whole world but lose the soul in the process? You can go look that one up for yourself. Go look to a biblical concordance and find out where I got that from. So here it is, that we are at a critical time. Some would call it a point of critical mass. We are 150 years since the Reconstruction Era started here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, in the South. It is time to reconstruct our communities as African people worldwide. What is it that we're contributing to? Where are we putting our money? How will we sustain our institutions? Every single single dollar literally does count. Every single dollar literally does count. Every single dollar literally does count. Take that from an honor roll. Magna cum laude, mathematician. Check me. $1 plus $1 plus $1 plus $1 equal that $5. You don't have to get the $5 bill in your hand one time, but you keep on getting them dollar bills. You can add them up. And if you keep on getting the fives, they go to tens, twenties, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, millions, billions. So that's why these industries that are outside our community, and why I say they're outside our community, because other people own those companies even when they put one of us on the packaging. If they're owned outside your community, a lot of times they're not reinvesting in your community. You need to look at those companies that are. You need to look to those individuals that are. You need to support your people in your own community when you have employment opportunities, when you have opportunities that you can go spend some money in somebody's store. Every single dollar does count. A lot of people have dot-com businesses. They have websites. You can order products directly from black-owned businesses, Gullah Geechee-owned businesses online. That's why we have GullahGeechee.biz. We have Naturally Geechee products. We have so many that we post all the time. Many of our painters and artists and artisans are out there, those of us who do speaking engagements. We have people that are part of diverse environmental leaders, speakers bureau like myself, that you can go online and then look at how to book folks. 
to bring them to your community, to speak, bring them to your university like I was asked today to come to a university in this fall up north to speak, to be able to connect and reconnect with people that can, again, reinforce helping sustain communities by contributing to the Brain Trust, but also contributing through community service and volunteerism. And March is still Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month. I got an email today for some people willing to come down then and also help do more work in the community. And if you're interested in that, go to gullahgeechee.net, and you can see pictures from some of the other activities. Or go to Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook fan page and just go backward in time through the pictures. Or go to Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition's pictures on Facebook. You can see a lot of the work if you follow us at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, at Gullah Geechee on Instagram. You'll continue to see the work as long as the work's being done. There's nothing to photograph and nothing to videotape of nothing is going on. So it's critical that we get out here. We get out in the community. We use the media in the way that Garvey and others use the media, create our own media, like the Chicago Defender. That's why we have the Kunk, which is our international e-sign for the Gullah Geechee Nation. That's why we have Gullah Geechee TV. That is why we have Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. That is why we have GullahGeecheeNation.com with our blog so that our stories are reported, so that they are accurate, so that you have links to other resources and sources for living story as well as accurate sources for our story, our history. Because when he tells it, somehow we get left out. But I must say, it is high time that we count ourselves in and we count ourselves worthy of contributing to the things that are in our community, that are contributing to us and to our upliftment. Like Garvey said, up, you mighty race. So I appreciate the brothers and sisters that are having the Marcus Garvey Day, the Garvey Day, this coming Saturday, 4 o'clock, at Mosquito Beach. So you can come on out, join the Gullah Geechee family right there. And then, as I mentioned to you, later on this month, August 20th and 21st, Lana J. Independent Associates is having a fundraiser to benefit the Pan-African Family Empowerment and Land Preservation Network. And you can go and find Passing online at Facebook, and you can also go to their website and also link. You can donate there at the website, or you can come out to the event if you are going to be in Beaufort County August 20th and 21st. And I am going to be heading to the Midlands, once again, this month. So on Saturday the 2nd, I will be in Columbia. I'll be doing part of an entire folk life celebration that's going to be happening in conjunction with McKissick Museum in Columbia on that Saturday. And we're going to talk more about that on the air next Monday. So on the chill half for tuning and things like that, because it's going to be the following Saturday. But gear up now. And the items that you see at GullahGeechee.biz that you've even seen photographed and online, if you want to come out then, you can come out and purchase them face-to-face. If you want these folks to say, well, I don't like to 
put my credit card online because all this hacking and all that, I totally understand. I'm a computer scientist. I'm a programmer. Totally understand and understand. And if you watch a CSI Cyber, I know you're real paranoid right about now. So if you want to come and make a donation to any of these things that I mentioned, the Gullah Geechee Angel Network, the work of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition to the Save Gullah Geechee Land, to the Save Gullah Families, you can come right out and give me the checks in Columbia at that event on August the 22nd as well. And you can also always mail in donations to the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition as well, as well as the others that I've named. And so if you go to those various websites that I announced during the early part of the show, you can find out how to mail things in to folks as well. And you can Facebook message most of them as well. And if you go to those GoFundMe sites, you'll see a lot of details there on the organizations, the nonprofit 501c3, which means you will get a receipt that you can use to write off on your tax form for the next year. The Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition is a grassroots organization which takes in national and international members and supporters. And so that our work is done from the grassroots perspective, and that is why we continue to be able to continue our work and our journey because of the folks who listen, who support, and then they take action. Down until an angel to listen to me to crack my teeth dry long so, but that you actually hear what I'm saying and then take action from what I'm saying. So we appreciate and respect all of you who sent in donations, who donated equipment for the Gullah Geechee Alke Bulan Archive. I got back from supporting, and I got to give them a shout-out to Steve Harvey, his entire crew, the Steve Harvey Morning Crew, his crew from Family Feud, his crew for everyone, also AAEE, which is also an African-American sound company, all of the different artists and entertainers for an outstanding neighborhood awards and expo. They did an excellent job actually uplifting the black community. They had a whole pavilion for HBCUs. They had a whole heart and soul health pavilion from Heart and Soul magazine that supported that. And then they had boots of their own things, but boots of other people from the black community all over the United States. They had items to sell, everything from books to products to clothes and things like this. And there was a brother there that also teaches urban youth in New York how to fish. Because it was Black Philanthropy Month, of course, we put some money in the brother's bucket on his boat that he had there in the expo hall. And it was excellent seeing people come together. But there was the greatest experience that I could have ever witnessed during Black Philanthropy Month to see that nephew Tommy, who y'all know as a jokester, if you listen to the show, he's always doing the prank calls, and he's a great comedian, he's an actor, and all of this. He wanted to find out the oldest person amongst 4,000 people that went in the room. He gave $100, and when he gave $100, Steve Harvey gave $1,000. When Steve Harvey gave $1,000, one of the sponsors who was there with turkey fryers gave a turkey fryer, and someone else said, I'm giving $100 also. So a woman born in 1932 was able to leave there with $1,200 and a turkey fryer. And then Junior, another new comedian on this show, wanted to give her tickets to one of the sold-out parties, give her two tickets if she didn't have them to come in. But that's just to let them know she had her tickets already. So here it was 
that good begets more good. Scripture tells us, biblical scripture tells us, do not grow weary in well-doing. So trust me, you reap what you sow is real in a positive sense and a negative sense. So every seed you plant during Black Philanthropy Month, trust me, you'll never be able to truly realize the growth, the harvest that's going to come back from that. You'll never realize it. But plant the seed and then tweet me at Gullah Geechee. Let me know how the harvest turns out. Email me to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O-A-O-L.com. G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. Let me know how that harvest turns out for you. And you can also always go to QueenQuet.com if you're interested in having me come to where you are. If that's the thing that you want to do beyond Black Philanthropy Month is to sponsor one of the events for the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour that I will be continuing from now through next year and now being more motivated to finish the 50 states within that time frame as well. And then the rest of the seven continents haven't been to all of those yet, so that's on the radar as well. But also to connect with all my island people everywhere. That's a life goal and things like that there because there's so much for sharing in common, you know. And so the more that we plant the seeds of our heritage, our culture, our knowledge into the next generation, the more that they can grow to be that black gold, rich people that have something else to give back to the world and that we could continue to contribute financially to our own communities. So for this Black Philanthropy Month, even if you only donate a dollar, please donate to some black institution or black organization somewhere that is uplifting the community and that's given back, that's planted seeds. Help them to have more seeds to be able to harvest an abundance of richness, economic power, and the brain trust for our community and be able to sustain it well into the future. And on a half of Be Black for doing hate during Black Philanthropy Month. It just is also a time to remind the black community that this is our charge. This is something we ought to do. This is something that we need to do. And this is something that will sustain me and will sustain you. So take it, take it, all the hundred children all around the world. We're tuning in every week to We Show Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. We're so glad for be up on the air one more again. And think like this year, this year Black Philanthropy Month. This year the Queen quit, head from the body of Gullah Geechee. Thank you, thank you, chillin. God bless you. And keep on being rich, rich, rich at that black gold shop.